And for those of you who haven't heard, I, I don't want to, I know Brother Guevara would love to share this testimony. We need to have him do it sometime. But I think it was just last uh, Sunday that uh, I remember he called me over and told me that the doctors in Guatemala said that his sister had three months to live, cancer, and uh, Marguerite, and we prayed and got word about the middle of this week that the doctors couldn't find the cancer and she's completely healed. And I think that's something worth shouting about. And I think we ought to just take a moment and thank the Lord right now for moving in that situation, reaching across thousands and thousands of miles. You know, you don't have to be standing in this room. It was the centurion that came to Jesus and said, you don't even have to go with me back to my house. If you'll just say the word, I know that my daughter can be healed. How many believe right now that God can heal your loved one thousands of miles away? They don't even have to know that you're praying for them. God can reach down and touch them right where they're standing. That's the power of the God that we serve. And I'm thankful to be in church tonight. I'd like to direct your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15. This is not a part two, necessarily, of last Sunday's sermon. But it does seem at times, I know in my ministry and in the way that the Lord deals with me, I know that God deals with different people in different ways. But God often deals with me thematically, and so... When he begins to put something on my heart, he kind of does it over and over again in different ways. How many understand that sometimes God has to tell us a few things a few different times before it registers with us? I know that sometimes me being the typical man that I am, my wife has to say things three or four times before it sinks in. And sometimes it's no different with God. He's got a, he's got a grab our attention a few times. And so, and this being the entire month of August being building the kingdom, everyone said building the kingdom, a month where we're focusing on that, we're giving towards that, we're praying to that end, and we're opening our heart. So the Lord has been dealing with me very specifically. And I pray that you will receive this tonight in the spirit that it's given. Luke 15 and 1, if you have that, say, Amen. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners. And, <laughs> he didn't stop there, and eateth with them. And then as he heard their grumbling, he immediately went into the parable of the lost sheep and the leaving the 99, searching for the one. I wish I had time to really preach on that. That's, a good, that's good preaching there. But for our purposes tonight, I'm preaching from this subject, straight from the text. This man receives sinners this man receives sinners can we put our bibles down and lift up our hands all over the sanctuary and let's just ask the lord to speak to us dear lord right now i pray that we would echo your heartbeat lord that we 
just read from your word. And I pray that, that you would help us, Lord, to have a compassionate heart, Lord. A heart that is that beats for evangelism, God. A heart that loves those who are hurting and desperate and loves those who are lost and far away from you, God. I pray that that would be the heartbeat of Apostolic Tabernacle. Each and every member, God, that there would be unity in this area, Lord, because we know without unity there can be no strength, God. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. Could we just take about 10 more seconds and just clap our hands to the Lord and give God praise and thank Him for His Word? Holy is your Word, God. I thank you for your Word. I praise you, I worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing, thank you for being here, thank you for worshiping. You can be seated. I'd like to be clear tonight that the Bible does not play around when it comes to sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But, and aren't you thankful that there's a qualifier there, but the gift of God is eternal life. But we know that sin is not to be fooled with. Sin is not to be played with. Sin is not a casual thing. Sin is not a funny thing. Sin is no small thing. Not only will sin destroy your physical life, not only will sin destroy your relationships, it'll destroy your ability to have joy and happiness, it'll destroy your body, sin will destroy every facet of your life, but even beyond all of those things, sin destroys your eternity with God, and it destroys your ability to have a right relationship with a holy God. A sinful human being who has not dealt with the sin problem cannot have a right communion with a holy God. And I came to remind somebody tonight that we serve a holy God. We serve a righteous God. Not only is He mighty, not only is He loving, He has all of those attributes, but He is holy. He is righteous. And He is looking for a pure bride whose robes are washed with the blood of the Lamb and their pure white. He's not looking for sin-stained robes. And God will not make an exception when it comes to these things. His word is very clear. We must deal with the wages of sin in our life. I, I want to be clear on this because I don't want anybody leaving this service tonight uh, thinking that Brother Ryan is somehow excusing sin. God has never excused sin, and Jesus never excused sin one time in his entire ministry. In fact, the woman who was caught in the issue of adultery, when they came to him, although as God he forgave her sins, what did he say when she left? He said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, I've dealt with the sin problem. I've forgiven you of your sins so that you can go on and continue in that same sin. He said, you've been forgiven, and now it's time to walk worthy of that forgiveness. Sin is a big deal. Sin separates us from God. The Bible teaches us that all are born into sin. All of us are born 
into the stain of sin. We're sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And so we have that sin stain that is passed on to each and every one of us. Jesus was the only sinless lamb who was born without sin because he did not have an earthly father. He is the son of God. How many are thankful that he does not have an earthly father? He didn't have the sin passed down. He is, in fact, the son of God. And so Jesus was the only man, truly man, who could be the sinless sacrifice for you and I. How many are thankful for the sinless sacrifice, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. I'm thankful for that tonight. And so we, each and every one of us has to deal with the sin issue. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, I don't care what family you were born into. I don't care if you're a preacher's kid, a pastor's kid. I don't care if you were born on Saturday and in church on Sunday and slept on pews more than you did in your own bed at home. You still need to deal with the sin issue. You still need to repent of your sins. You still need to be buried in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You still need to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance every single one of us without exception must respond and be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ each and every one of us here I was one of those folks I, I, I could quote scripture before I had the Holy Ghost but I still needed the Holy Ghost to deal with the sin problem wherever you are whatever your background is no matter how good you may think you are, you may think you're a nice person. You help a lot of people across the street. You've given your neighbors some money when they were down every once in a while. But that will not save you. Your works cannot save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you from your sins. Each and every one of us. And I wonder if I could just do this tonight. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But I wonder if anybody just remembers that old-fashioned altar where you laid your burdens down. I wonder if you just wave your hand in thanksgiving. If you remember what it felt like when your burden was lifted. Praise God. We ought to have an old-fashioned servant where we just sing, I remember when my burdens were rolled away. Because there's something about remembering. That causes thankfulness to rise up inside of us. If you have lost your thankfulness for the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ, then you better do whatever you have to do before you leave this service tonight to get a joy and a thankfulness in your spirit where you can say, Jesus, I was not worthy. My righteousness was as filthy rags. I was lost. I was unlovable. I was unworthy. But you found me. Amen. Each and every one of us. But in spite of what sin does, and I could spend a long time talking about the wages or the cost of sin. Sin always causes us to pay a very, very heavy toll. And I feel a weight in my spirit right now because I know that there are people not only under the sound of my voice, but people that will hear this across the internet and across the cities around us. There are people right now who are burdened by the weight of sin and they're staggering underneath the weight and they feel trapped and they wonder if they will ever break free of the chains that have them bound. There's a homeless man right now. He's not homeless because he's less 
intelligent than you are. He's homeless because addiction has gripped his body in such a way that he cannot lead a normal life. And he's crying out to God on a street corner right now. And he's wondering, does anybody care enough about me to pray for me? People right now who are burdened. People who you pass by on the roadside on your way to Jericho. And maybe we've been guilty of stepping over them and turning our head as we walk. As we walk past them. And God is calling for a good Samaritan to say, I'm not going to pass them by any longer. I'm going to reach out my hand and help somebody. Find the deliverance and the safety and the healing that they need. For their sin-sick soul. There are people that are hurting. There are millionaires right now in mansions. With four or five or six cars. In the parking lot. They have more cars than they could ever drive. More money than they could ever count. And right now they're staring at the bottom of a bottle. Trying to get just a little bit of happiness. Because they've discovered. That all the money and the things and the stuff in the world. Will not satisfy them. I read an article the other day. I'm not trying to depress anybody. I just want you to know that sin is not funny. Sin is a big deal. I read an article about all of the Hollywood stars, multi, multi millionaires and people that are committing suicide each year and nobody can understand. They're the most beautiful of the beautiful. They're the richest of the richest. Everybody loves them and yet they cannot find peace and happiness in this world because sin does not satisfy. Sin does not bring joy. Sin is not the answer. Only Jesus is the answer for your soul. Oh, And I've got good news for those folks tonight. I've got good news for the secret sinner who's here under the sound of my voice. You don't think anybody knows about it, but God woke me up in the middle of the night last night and let me to know that you better deal with some things before it's too late. I've got good news for you. The one individual who has the remedy for sin is not in the rejecting business. This man, this man, someone said, Jesus, this man receives. (laughs) Oh, that's powerful. This man receives. See, what the enemy would like to do, even as I preached that, you felt immediate condemnation about your secret sin. And the enemy began to put such guilt on you that even as I preached that, you wanted to run from this building. And that's exactly what the enemy would like you to do. But Jesus is trying to let you know, I'm not trying to have you come under such condemnation that you can't hardly stand. I'm just trying to get you to come and repent of your sins and get things right with me. Because this man receives sinners. Jesus will receive you at the point of your darkest need. By the way, just like he did for me and pastor and bishop and every saint of God standing here, none of us came to Jesus worthy. Well, I think we need to remember that for a moment. None of us came to Jesus worthy. None of us came to Jesus deserving of his grace and his reception. But who is this man? Let's look at who he was. You already know what I'm going to do. 
Jesus, who towered above all men, holy, pure, righteous, separate, and undefiled, blameless of even one sin, receives the sinner. This man, who is no other than the eternal God, before whom the angels veil their faces, he receiveth sinners. Isaiah prophesied that a child would be born, and his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This man, Jesus, was and still is today the bread of life, the light of the world, the door to salvation, the resurrection and the life, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end the king of glory the prince of peace the mighty God in Christ the friend that sticks closer than a brother he's your forever helper he is the rose of Sharon he is the bride and morning star he is the lily of the valley he is the wheel within a wheel I wish somebody would shout that name right now and his name is Jesus he is Jehovah Jireh the provider his name is Jesus he is Jehovah Nisi my banner Jesus Jesus Paul said to young Timothy for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ, Jesus. We're all about to preach in just a minute here. Colossians, for in him Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye, someone said, that's me. Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. These scriptures show us unequivocally that Jesus was and is our advocate and mediator. He was the fullness of God, our completion and the head and ruler of all things. I am so glad that I know the mighty God in Christ. I am so glad that I have the revelation of the power of the name that can change everything with just one breath. The name of Jesus. This man. This God-man, this God incarnate, robed in flesh, this miracle, Jesus, he, he receives sinners. It seems that Jesus was constantly interacting with sinners. He forgives the woman, as we've already mentioned, caught in the very act of adultery. He speaks with a Samaritan sinner woman who his race would have had no dealings with. He eats with publicans and sinners. A sinner by the name of Mary anoints his feet with oil and cleanses his feet with her tears. And the list could go on and on and on as Jesus dealt lovingly and compassionately with sinners. The fact that an absolutely sovereign and holy God would humble himself to receive sinners is nothing short of incredible. The psalmist said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Just the fact that God would interact even with a holy people is incredible. Just, I wish we could get this tonight. Just the fact that God would meet with us here. Even as people who are filled with his spirit. Just the fact that we can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And enter into the very throne room of God. How many felt the presence of the Lord tonight? Just the fact that you can even feel God at all is a miracle. It takes the grace and the mercy of God just for Him to interact with those who are blood-bought. But the fact that He would deal mercifully with those who have not yet received Him is a miracle. 
It's a testimony to the love and the nature of a holy God. In the Old Testament, before the birth of Christ, God was almost entirely unapproachable. There could be no communication, no communion with God. There could be no fellowship with God. Even for the priest to enter into the presence of God on behalf of sinners was a difficult and lengthy and dangerous process. The priest must be purified and the blood of animals must be shed. The sacrifice had to be killed and offered in a very specific way or God would not receive it. If the proper protocol was not followed to the letter, the priest would be struck dead upon entering the holy of holies the priest but Jesus came to change all of that Jesus came so that an inapproachable God would become approachable we must ask this question tonight why does this man receive sinners? Get your neighbor and say, why? Why? Let me begin with this. Jesus does not receive sinners so that they can remain sinners. Let me say that again. Jesus does not receive sinners so that they can remain sinners. Romans 6 and 14, the Apostle Paul says, Yield yourself to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Then he poses the question, and then he answers his own question. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He receives us for a purpose. He receives us so that we can be changed and transformed. Jesus received sinners to offer them salvation. Consider Zacchaeus was a, a sinner, a tax collector, a rich man. He was, a, he was a dishonest man who had cheated all kinds of people. He was hated, but he desired to see Jesus, and Jesus received him. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore to him fourfold. So after Jesus received him and went into Zacchaeus' house, he didn't leave Zacchaeus unchanged. Zacchaeus said, Hey, I know I've been dishonest. I know I've cheated. I know I've been wrong. I know I'm a sinner. And guess what? I'm going to do right. I'm going to make restitution. I repent of my past failings. I want to be right. When he got in the presence of a holy God, he didn't didn't leave the same way he went in he left the presence of Jesus changed forever amen he was changed by one encounter Jesus always receives those that seek him Jesus always receives those who are looking for him and hungry for him but he always requires that there be a change after the encounter some reject the change that he requires, like the rich young ruler that loved his possessions more than his creator. He came to Jesus and said, I, I want to know what's the greatest. And I want to know and all of these things. And Jesus told him to go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And it was too great a price for this young man to follow Jesus. And so Jesus comes to bring us salvation. How many are thankful tonight for the salvation that Jesus offers each and every one of us as the musicians come quickly? 
Hebrews 11 and 6 says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently or carefully seek him. How many believe that tonight? He's a rewarder. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who say, I want to reach out to God. I, there's things that I want to do. I want, I, I, I failed God so many times and I'm afraid that he won't receive me. That's a common thing that I hear as a minister. But can I just help somebody know that if you will seek him, he will never, ever, ever, ever reject you. I don't care if you're a backslider who knew truth and turned your back on it. He will never reject you. I don't care if you've never heard the gospel message and maybe this is the first time. He will never reject you. I don't care if you've had secret sin for 30 years. He will not reject you if you will come to him. Jesus said that he came to give abundant life. He came to offer us a place in his kingdom. The kingdom of God. And I close with Jesus In John 3 and 5, stand with me. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's building the kingdom month here at Apostolic Tabernacle. And if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you can't sign a dotted line. You can't give a large enough offering. You have to be born again in the waters of baptism and by the Spirit of God. That's how we're born into the kingdom. If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, if you need to be baptized tonight, you can receive it in just a moment. We'll baptize you. We have water. If you have a sin issue, we can deal with it. But here's what I'd like to leave the church. Someone said, I'm the church. Here's what I'd like to leave you with tonight. I'm preaching to myself as well. If Jesus, God, Manifest in the flesh, without sin, blameless, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. If He could receive sinners, then so should you and I, as the church of the living God. We shouldn't glare at Him. We shouldn't be angry with Him. We shouldn't reject Him or turn our back on Him. Or turn our nose at them. We should love them. And reach a hand out for them. And believe. And here's the key. It takes faith to believe. That God. Can take. A woman. Caught. In the act of adultery. And believe that God can drastically turn her life around. It takes faith to believe. That a demoniac can come running to Jesus. Crying out, leave us. And believe that Jesus can deliver that man from demons. It takes faith to believe it. And when you believe that God can change a hardened heart. It will cause you to have love and compassion for that individual. I'd like us to just do this. I I know this has been an evangelistic message and a call to love. But I wonder if we could just as a show of solidarity, if we could make our way around this altar and say, Lord, I want to have a heart that receives sinners, that loves them, that believes that they can be changed and delivered. If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, I want you to just come. 
And I want you to repent and I want you to say, Lord, I need your spirit. Fill me. And I want you to lift up your hands and begin to praise God. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost right where you're standing. If you need a touch from the Lord tonight, just come. Let's come in unity. Let's find two or three or four people. Let's, ladies, get a hold of a lady. Sir, find somebody. And let's just pray together that God would unify apostolic tabernacle. I pray that we would be unified in our love.